Hello, wonderful church. Um, thanks. It was about a year ago that Michelle and I walked in here, and we actually didn't attend stinking around. We had a plan to like walk out straight away, but you guys didn't let us go. And uh, so we're here still today, and I'm just so thankful to God for it. And uh, you've loved us and brought us into this family. And, you know, as I was preparing um, and praying this morning, um, the one thing that came to my mind about you guys and, and us, um, Jesus says, by your love, you will know that you are my disciples. And I want to tell you, I can see that you are God, Jesus' disciples because of the love. So um, this morning, we're going to be looking at the calling of Peter. And apologies to anyone who's got a name of Peter. You're the focus today. And I think, I really think God is, is, has got a, a, a thread for us this morning, which fits in with the songs we've been singing, the words that have come through. And I'm excited to see where God takes, this, takes us. So we're going to start off looking at uh, Peter's calling and seeing um, what maybe God would want to teach us today um, from that. And so I wonder if we could bring up the, the first reading. We're going to look at... Um, John chapter 1, which tells us about Peter's calling and the unique name um, that Jesus gave him. So let's, let's have a look. Um, so the, the setting here, if you don't know, this is down by the Jordan River. It's a very unusual place to start a ministry. Um, I've done the canoeing through the Richtersfeld many times, and there's a plain over there which is just flat and not, not much life. And, and this is the very unusual setting that firstly, John the Baptist started his ministry, and this is too where Jesus started his ministry. So John the Baptist had been preaching, and this is the story there. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent the day with him. It was about the tenth hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and he had, who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, which is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon Son of John, you will be called Cephas, which when, which when translated is Peter. Have any of you ever had an occasion where you've introduced yourself to someone and you stick out your hands, and before you say anything, they tell you who you are? This was the introduction, the very in interesting introduction that Peter had. And what an unusual story. But this scene that we see here before us, this is an unusual occasion to start a revolution. This is what happened right here, down by the dusty shore of um, Lake of, of Jordan River, flowing through the wilderness area. This was an unstoppable revolution, and we're reading in this passage this morning about the start of that revolution. But today we're going to be focusing on Peter, and we're going to trace his story, because this is the place where Peter's calling started. Now, names, of course, are very important. So Peter got this name. We know him as Peter. It wasn't his name at the time. He was called Simon. And I don't know what your experience is with names, but sometimes people uh, get it wrong. Um, sometime back I had someone come to, to visit my house, um, a young guy, and he had a very unusual name. I won't say what it is. 
And I was intrigued. I asked him about it. So where did you get your name from? He says, no, my folks named me after Harley Davidson. Mm, that's interesting. I'm not sure how well he liked that. Well, I think Peter was quite attached to his name. He's Simon, son of John. That's like a good name for a fisherman, don't you think? Um, and here Jesus comes along and gives him a new name. Now, I'm sure um, those of you who've got kids at school and teenagers, you'll know that suddenly when a kid goes to school, sometimes they come in with a new name, nickname. My son's Jonathan was called Gecko because of his blonde hair. <laughs> Estian might remember that. That was his nickname. Everyone called him that. But Peter, when he arrived here and he meets Jesus, this wasn't a name that Jesus just suddenly threw out. There's, there's an interesting history here. And it reminds me of Psalm 139, which tells us about how God knows us before we are born. Have we got that verse? Psalm 139. Let's just read that together. Um, <clears> o <throat> oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know me when I sit. Not there. <laughs> and when you rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it's completely, O Lord. <clears throat> you hem me in behind and before you, you have laid your hand upon me. So I think when we realize, of course, that Jesus is the Son of God, when Peter arrives, he sticks out his hand to greet him, hoping to introduce himself, there's a history here. Jesus knew Peter long before this occasion. And in fact, he, I'm sure, has already had a conversation with his father. We've got to get 12 guys together, and uh, that's going to be the start of the change. But one of them is going to have a very special calling. And so I can imagine this conversation with Jesus and his father. Well, let's give him a new name and make sure he understands, or we will draw him along this path until he understands the meaning of this new name. And so it was agreed. And so when Jesus bumped Peter, bumps into Peter here, looks like a chance encounter, Jesus, Jesus is not thinking, oh goodness, what are we going to do with this young fisherman? There's already a history. Jesus already has a purpose in mind for him. So, but for Peter, this wasn't a case of sitting back and saying, okay, let's see how this goes. He also had to take hold of his destiny. And this morning, I think this is a challenge for us. What is God calling us? What is God calling you to do? There's work for us to do. But more than that, Jesus is going to be the one who brings us to fulfill this des destiny. Jesus walked this journey with Peter, rebuking him, encouraging him, teaching him, and ultimately getting him ready to take up this new name. Well, let's have a quick look at this name, Peter. Um, interesting thing, I think I try to count 100, over 150 times we find the name Peter in the Bible. Do you know how many times Jesus called him Peter? Any guesses? I, I was astounded three times. Only three occasions Jesus calls him Peter. It's absolutely astounding if you think about it. So now when we read the New Testament, we see Peter's name everywhere. But at that time, he was simply known as Simon, son of John. Um, and so I want to look at these three occasions, starting firstly with the passage we've just looked at now, and see where this takes us as God wants to talk to us about our destiny. So we start off, I've got three C's. To help you remember, the first C is calling. This is a passage about calling. All right. So here Jesus recruits, recruits his three disciples. You know that there are three here? Uh, one of their names isn't mentioned. That's because John wrote the gospel. And uh, he was a little bit shy to mention his name. 
And so it's very likely that he was one of the two disciples. Um, John, we know, lived to be very old. I think he was well into his 90s when he passed away. And so he would have been a very young guy at this stage. Um, pro- probably only a teenager. He was a youngster. Can you believe it? Who would let their teenager son out into the wilderness area to listen to a guy dressed in camel skin? Uh, um, anyway, so it was John, Andrew, and Peter. These were the three fishermen that Jesus first reaches out to. Now, I want to focus here on Andrew. What does he say? In verse 40, he says, We have found the Messiah. No messing around with Andrew. It took Jesus to figure, uh, Peter three years to figure this one out. Andrew just gets straight there. We found him. And so the first thing he does is he goes and grabs his brother and he calls him across and he says, we found him. But we'll get, we'll get back to that. First, Andrew needs to go and uh, meet up with Jesus. And there's a very interesting little thing which, which plays out here because Andrew was a, a disciple of John the Baptist and now he was kind of like switching over to Jesus with, with John the Baptist's permission. And so there's like a little ritual which, which plays out. They start following, uh, uh, Andrew and John start following Jesus around. And um, it makes me think of, have you seen, uh, I'm sure you've seen Nemo. When Nemo's swimming and Marlon's swimming and Dory comes behind him and Nemo gets a bit irritated. Why are you following me? What, what are you doing this for? I can't quote him. And I, I can think of it, obviously Jesus didn't get irritated. But this is the, this is the scene. Jesus is walking along, there's crowds. And Andrew and John are following him. And then there's this little ritual that happens because Andrew wanted to become a disciple, um, as did John. And, and so this little ritual uh, um, plays out where um, Jesus says, what do you want? Uh, which opens the door to them. And Andrew says, um, well, um, where do you stay? Which is kind of like code word for, we want to come check you out. Maybe have an open day discipleship with you to see... You know, what's your tent like? Can we, can we, can we? And Jesus simply says, come and see. Now, if you just ponder on those words, come and see, Jesus gives us such an amazing, simple invitation. And he's given us the same invitation even today. Come and see. He's not forcing anything on you. He's not saying, well, you better do this. He just says, come and see. Just imagine the openness of the invitation. And these guys' lives would never be the same again. Never. Their lives were turned upside down. Interesting thing about Andrew, if you don't know, uh, there's a lot of tradition about how the disciples died. Andrew, it it says he was martyred on a cross, which was an X shape. Uh, If you look at the flag of Scotland, it's St. Andrew's cross. Now, who do you think when Andrew said, okay, I'm going to come and see, did he have that in mind? Well, that's the legacy Andrew has left for us. And he, he wasn't the only one. Um, so, <clears throat> G- Peter is then brought to Jesus. And when Peter comes along to Jesus, um, I wonder whether he was a little bit doubtful. Um, I don't know if any of your friends have been to the recent Africa Burn event. Is anyone sure some of your friends have gone? It's, it seems to me like a lot of people pitching up in a desert place, searching, looking for something. And, and I think Peter was there with a similar thing. He was searching. He wanted to find something. Um, what was he searching for? Um, I think he was looking for a Messiah. John the Baptist had been preaching about this Messiah. Andrew had run off and started following this guy dressed in camel skins. And so he'd come to check it out for himself. But I wonder what sort of Messiah he wanted. Um, 
uh, perhaps he was looking for a Messiah who was going to come and throw the Romans out and uh, set up a beautiful new nation of Israel. And I think it would have been quite convenient for Peter to follow a Messiah like that. I, I can think he was quite ambitious and keen to do this and be part of something great. He was looking for some kind of fame, I guess. Um, and so he comes along and sees as well. And, of course, his life would never be the same again. And so then we see this introduction that we've spoken about. Jesus then goes on and says, well, you will be called Cephas. Now, there's a very interesting thing about this introduction. The one thing is, and we might misunderstand this, Peter doesn't, Jesus doesn't at that stage say, this is your name. He says, this is what your name is going to be. He's inviting him into a destiny. He says, come with me, and this is where we're going. You are going to become the rock, and that's what the name means. And I think when we come and see and we follow Jesus, we really don't know where the path's going to take us. Um, it could take us some interesting places. But Jesus has got a destiny for you too. And uh, perhaps there's, when he sees you, he's got some name in mind. You, you are this or you are that. And Jesus wants to lead you into that destiny. All right, so that, that is our, our first theme. Now I'm just wondering, as, as Peter was contemplating this, uh, getting this name Rock, I wonder what he meant, thought about this name. I don't know. If someone called me Rock, I don't know. What would I think? Am I going to be a wrestler? Yeah. I don't know. What comes to your mind? He was, he was pondering this. But it's, it's interesting. Jesus used the word Petra, or Petros is the masculine form. Now, Petra was a solid rock, something firm, something that doesn't shift. It can't be shaken. When Jesus says he will build, the wise man builds his house on the rock, it was a Petra. That's the kind of rock. The rock that went in front of Jesus' gravestone, it couldn't be moved. Um, it needed a whole army of people to move that rock. It's a solid rock. Has anyone been to Petra in the Jordan, by the way? Anyone here? You have. Okay. That's carved out of rock. That's the type of rock. It's a solid thing. Perhaps even a mountain, you know, like Paul Rock, or somewhere, somewhere solid, something to build on. This is where Jesus is leading Peter in his, his destiny, and, um, but he didn't know that at the time. So we're going to jump forward now quickly and see, years later, to the very next occasion that Jesus uses Peter's name. Three years have passed. And no mention of Peter's name at all in any of the Gospels. Just think about that. Maybe you're, um, you've had a calling from God, and you sense God has called you into something. And they, okay, cool. Where are we going, Lord? What's happening next? Well, there's a time of waiting, isn't there? There's a time of shaping. There's a time of preparation. And this was a three-year wait for Peter. He did some crazy things. He even walked on the water. Not a good place to be a rock when you're walking on water. Um, yeah. <laughs> he had to wait. And then eventually we get to the next occasion. Let's have a look at that. This is in Matthew. This is three, about three years later. Um, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, Why, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of their prophets. Can you see the limit that people are putting on Jesus? They say, he's an amazing guy. He must simply be one of the prophets who's come back to life. Okay, that's good. <laughs> a, lot of, um, a, a lot of religions today acknowledge Jesus. And they say, he's an amazing prophet. Um, but that's not the end of the story. 
And so we now get to this amazing question. What about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Let's just pause on that for a moment. This is the moment. This is the question of eternity. Who do you say I am? It's a question that divides every nation, every human being, left or right. Who do you, who do you say I am? It's, it, the answer to that question will ultimately depend, um, determine excuse me, where, we will, where we will one day go. Who do you say I am? Now, up to this moment, there hadn't really been anyone who declared what Peter was about to declare. And so, as, as um, Jesus asks us these words, it's almost like he heaven has gone quiet. Gabriel, quieten down. Stop the band. Like, just like Ross did. Quieten down. We're all going to listen in to this answer. Who do you say I am? Of course, Peter is a loud mouth. Now, he's, he has been through this process of training, shaping getting him ready. This is his moment of destiny too, stepping into something, his commissioning, if you call it that, you would like to call it that way. And Peter can't contain himself, and so he calls out. He says, next verse, oh, we've got it there. Simon answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So three years later, come and see, who are you? Three years later, it took him three years to figure it out. And, um, I mean, that's, that says something about perhaps how we should disciple others. We invite them to come and see, spend time with Jesus until um, we all reach this point of declaring this. And I've, I've done the same. Um, but this was, this was a moment for Peter. It was also a moment for Jesus. He had his first convert. Hallelujah. <laughs> Took him three years, his first convert. Um, and, of course, the others would follow that. Now, there's a very interesting thing. This is the first occasion Peter is called Peter by Jesus. Go and, go and have a Google search of all 150 times. The name Peter is mentioned. This is what I'm seeing as the very first time. Jesus had waited for this moment. He'd, he'd been pausing for this moment because this was the moment he was going to be commissioned into something. This was his commissioning. Now, that, that means something, something to me. It's an interesting story. I, I did national service in the Navy. Dimitri also did that. Um, and um, I did officer's course. And, of course, the end of the officer's course, your, your big moment is when you get your stripes that you put on your shoulders. And um, I was up in Pretoria at the time. I was so excited, but there was no one to share my excitement with. So, anyway, I went to the store. They gave me the stripes. This is, like, really anticlimax. So I walk out. I go into the change room put my stripes on, and there's this old guy um, getting changed the other side. And I'm looking at his shoulders, and it's just like gold. But the interesting thing is he's busy changing his pants. So he's standing there in his underpants. I'm putting on my uh, stripes, and he starts talking to me. And um, this guy was the chief of the Navy. So I got congratulated for my new officer's position by the chief of the Navy wearing his underpants. It's like, <laughs> just like... That was my commissioning. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's just a, my interesting story. This is a moment when Peter is, is recognized. You are the rock. But I want to ask you, do you think Peter was ready for this? What do you think? I mean, suddenly he's called towards this moment of destiny. Is he ready for it? Well, it's interesting. Just a few verses later... Jesus uses a different word for him, which is not a cool rock. It says, you're a stumbling block. 
that's not a cool rock. He says, you're Satan, get behind me. This, this wasn't the end of the road for Peter, it was the start. This is where he, um, he now was really, now that he really got this, he had to learn. He had to become the rock that he was called to be. Right, now I want to focus for a moment on the geography, changing tack a little bit. I don't know if you know where Caesarea Philippi is. It's like if you imagine Israel and the area, it's like way up north. You can't go any further north. It's right up uh, at the top in the Golan Heights. And the interesting geographic location is it was um, actually at Mount Hermon. It's at the foot of Mount Hermon, which is the tallest mountain um, in Israel, 2,800 meters. Our mountains around the Western Cape are, are way smaller than that, often covered in snow in winter. Massive mountain. And flowing down from Mount Hermon is the River of Jericho. It flows all the way down, the River of Jordan, flowing all the way down. From Mount Hermon, flows all the way down into the Galilee. You can imagine like one pan. River flowing down, there's the first pan. Then the river flowing down from Galilee into the Dead Sea, the second pan. Mount Hermon is where it started. And so Jesus did a very interesting thing. He goes on a walk. It was maybe 60 kilometers up the River Jordan um, with his disciples all the way to the top. Peter had to go on a long hike to get his stripes. 60 <laughs> kilometers all the, all the way up to the top. And there's a very interesting thing about Mount Hermon. And it's a geographic feature there. The snow melting on that mountain filters over the years and melts and goes through the rocks and eventually works its way all the way down until it reaches the base. And you can actually go and visit the place today. I don't know. Has anyone here been to Mount Hermon? You have? Okay, there's, there's oh, there we go. Someone else at the back. This, the water comes out as a spring. It literally bubbles out of the rock. It comes out of the rock and, and flows out. And this, this was the location. Well, I don't know if it was that specific location, but this is the area that Jesus went to. And so I wonder when Jesus went on this, white, this hike up to the, the northern limits of Israel, whether perhaps he had this scene in, mount, in mind, this mountain, the water flowing out. It's just absolutely crazy. So I can imagine maybe Jesus sitting with his disciples and in front of this huge mountain, the rock. There's water bubbling out, the purest, beautiful water you can imagine. It's like being in Eden. It's green. It's, it's stunningly beautiful. Uh, crystal clear water bubbling out, flowing out. And this is like the scene in front of them. And Jesus says, well, who do you think I am? Now, what's an interesting question. What an interesting context or a, a setting to explore such a thing. And if you just think for a moment of the contrast. So Jesus has now been on a journey. His baptism was at the Jordan River. Not such a great place, quite muddy. Um, and uh, now he's gone all the way up to the source, the purest, most beautiful place where this, this water comes from, filtered through layers of, of, of rock, and, and this, this water bubbles out. Now, there's a very interesting thing about where this water goes. It winds its way all the way down, perhaps 300 kilometers or so, passes through rocks. As it goes along these rocks, it picks up sediment, it picks up salt, carries the water, carries the, um, this with it, and eventually it all gets dumped into the Dead Sea. Now, the Dead Sea is like a black hole. There's nothing coming out there. Salt, nothing. Once it goes there, there's, there's no way out. And so the salt just accumulates because it's so low. There's no water flowing out. Bad news if you're a fish. Swimming happily, maybe Nemo, you know, going your way down the river, manage to escape Peter in the Lake of Galilee, come out the other side, and you end up in the Dead Sea. Well, um, guess what? You're dead. <laughs> 
And <clears throat> this is just such an amazing metaphor if you think about it. Because the bad news is, without Jesus, we're all heading to this Dead Sea. There's, there's no escape in it. And um, just like the rocks as this water made its way down, they accumulated the salt. It's like sin kind of sits on our back. And, um, and so we ourselves are bringing this um, the salt, um, a different type of salt that Jesus spoke about, into the Dead Sea. And it's bringing us death. And it's happening to everyone. Everyone is impacted with the same curse. But here's the amazing thing. Jesus brings a river of life. We were singing about that. Eh? A river of life. And this is what he says in John chapter 7. hope we've got it. I'm sorry I'm jumping around a bit. Are you keeping up, guys? On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. But now notice the next verse. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow out of him. Now, I don't know if you know something of the kind of history here. This thing about living water, it's like a Jewish concept. There's a, there's a word for it. I can't remember what it is. But it actually goes back to Leviticus, where if you had somehow done something that made you unclean, touched a dead body, I don't know, all kinds of things. There's a long list. You had to go and wash yourself in living water. That's the word that's used. It's a mikvah, yeah, the baptism, mikvah. And um, so this, Jesus is linking back now to the instructions to the Jewish people. This is what you have to do. You've got to get yourself clean. But how do we actually get ourselves clean? Um, so this was a Jewish baptism, mikvah. Well, you can think, okay, I'm going to put up a desalination plant. Mm, try and get rid of the salt so the water's good. Well, how far back do you go? You have to keep on going further, further, hike further. But eventually, even the mountain, that's the, the water that's filtering through the rock up at Mount Hebron has also got salt in it. Bad news. You just can't fix it. This is our problem today, isn't it? As humans, we actually cannot fix the problem. It's inside us. We need a new river. And here's, here's the amazing, amazing news. Where's the, where are those verses again? Sorry. Uh, just go back. Um, whoever believes in me, this is what Peter did. That moment, he believed. He put up his hand and said, I believe you are the Messiah. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow out from him. Jesus puts a spring in us, and the water can flow out of us. And uh, there's no chance of it being contaminated because it's a pure stream. It's a pure spring he puts inside of us. Wouldn't you rather be in that place? I'm sure, most, I'm sure we are in that place. If you're not, Jesus is inviting you today. Come and see. Come and see. And the result of that is he will offer to put a spring inside you. You can get rid of the other spring, which is going to lead to death. So that's an invitation for you this morning. But I want to come back now to Peter. All right, so Peter has this moment of destiny where he's been called, you're going to be the rock. Now in Matthew 16, 18, you are the rock. Um, I'm not going to have time to get into the meaning of what the rock means for the church. We'll be here for days. Um, so we're going we're to leave that aside. But clearly, Peter has been called here to be something solid and firm. He needs Peter to be this. He needs him to be steadfast, to be reliable, um, and, and to be trustworthy. Um, and so Peter now has been commissioned into this, this task. 
And um, let's see, how does Peter actually manage? Well, let's move on then to the last time that Jesus calls Peter by this name. And this is on the very night that um, Jesus was arrested. I have no idea where I am in my notes, but anyway. Um, the very night that Jesus was arrested. It was the setting now in Jerusalem. So we started off um, next to the Jordan River, hiked all the way up to Mount Hermon, hiked all the way back now. Now we're in Jerusalem, the last, the last Supper. And there's an interesting conversation that happens. I mean, you know there's many chapters in the Gospels written about this. Now I want to pick on the one occasion that Jesus again calls Peter by the name Rock. Let's have a look at the context of that. Luke 22, 31 to 34. Simon, Simon. You know you're in trouble when someone calls your name twice. <laughs> Can you remember? Martha, Martha. Jesus said that to Martha. Simon, Simon. But there's also some love here. It's not hard. There's a gentleness in getting our attention. I'm going to say something important now. Listen to this. This is something important. Satan is asked to sift you as wheat. Oof, here comes trouble. <clears throat> but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Let's just pause on that for a moment. <clears throat> um, well, we better get to the name Peter. Let's move on so you can believe me. We'll come back to that verse. <laughs> Otherwise, you're not going to believe me. Let, um, let's move on to the next one. But he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. This was like just a few hours before he betrayed him. Um, Jesus answered, I tell you, here it is, gold letters, Peter, rock. This is just before he's about to betray him, rock. Can you imagine the incredible irony? Peter being called rock. He's just about to betray Jesus. <clears throat> before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. We can just flip back to uh, verse 31 again. Je Jesus, there's an incredible gentleness and love here. And the third phase is the phase we would all like to avoid. It's nice having the calling. That's great. It's nice having the commissioning. Wear my stripes on my shoulders. But there's a third phase, and we can call this the crucible. It's the testing. There's a testing that's coming. And it's interesting in this passage... Satan seems to have been given permission to do the testing. This is not just the same as temptation. Satan doesn't need temptation uh, permission to, to tempt. But testing is different. This is what Job experienced. I think it's also what Jesus experienced. He was tempted, but it says he was driven into the wilderness by the desert. He was tested. So the end result of being nurtured, trained, and developed by Jesus is a time of testing is going to come. There's a crucible, and we have to be ready for the time of testing. We tested, even if it's in the, in the fire. But just notice the incredible gentleness of Jesus here. He's, he understands where this is going to go. He understands that actually Peter's going to fail the test. He's even praying for him, even though he knows he's going to fail the test. He's, it's not amazing. He's love. He's praying for Jesus, that his, that for Peter, that his faith would not fail. And then he says, mm, by the way, when it does, <laughs> turn back. Turn back to your faith and strengthen your brothers. You're the rock. You're going to fail. That's not the end. Turn back because I've got a job for you to strengthen your brothers. Amazing. I just find it so incredible to see the love of Jesus in this. You know, I mean, if I was following some other guru, you know, around in the desert, blow it, it's like, 
you're out, you know, get voted out of the clan, you're out of here. No, not with Jesus. He's with us right to the moment. He even knows we're going to fail. And, and he's, he's not giving up on us because he's got a calling. He's got a destiny for us. And he's not letting go. And you know, the amazing thing, when these events unfolded, when Peter did that very evening or later in that evening when he did betray uh, Peter, can you remember that moment? The cock crows. Jesus looks at him. Peter's in the courtyard. I, I don't think Jesus is listening to the conversation at all um, of Peter, but he knows the cock has crowed and he looks towards Peter. Now, in the past, I thought, oh my goodness, this is like the look of shame, you know, for Peter. But I know, I don't think so. I, I think this is Jesus looking at Peter and saying, Peter, you are still the rock. You, you're messed up, but I'm going to walk with you. This is, not, this is not the end. And of course, Peter leaves and walks out. And so let's maybe just um, see how, as this, how the story unfolds. John starts off with this amazing story with a teenager. John, one who ran the desert with his brother Andrew, meets up with Peter. The Gospel of John finishes with these two guys again, John and Peter. Andrew had kind of done his job there. And these are the two who followed um, Jesus in right into where he was being, um, where he'd been arrested and now had this trial. Um, and so they hadn't abandoned him. I mean, this took courage to follow them in. And, and John knew someone like at the security door and he let, uh, he, he let John in uh, at security, which was, a, which was a female servant, and he put, calls Peter over. And the two of them are there, warming the hands, trying to blend in with the crowd, like don't really know Jesus. And of course, that's the moment that Peter um, lets him down. And so, right, where does this leave us? Okay, so you just think about this. So Jesus, this is a new revolution. Uh, the leader of the revolution is about to be crucified. Um, one of them is a, maybe a teenager, like warming his hands by the fire. Uh, the other one is about to deny Jesus and, and walk out crying. Doesn't look so good for the revolution, does it? It's like, yeah, well, um, thanks, I've finished my sermon. <laughs> Those are the three things. Okay, if you've got the points, calling, commissioning, crucible. It's like, okay, sermon over. Well, here's the amazing thing. There's a fourth C, which is there's a different conclusion. And um, the amazing thing about God is that he sees all past all those things. Think about Abraham, 99 years old. You're going to be the father of many nations. Nine, got, hasn't got Isaac, no Isaac yet. 90-year-old Sarah, get the nursery ready. The baby's coming. Yeah, let's have a good laugh about that. <laughs> Even Andrew, you know, when Andrew was um, um, at that scene feeding of the 5,000, he brought along the fish. He's like, okay, what are we going to do with these two fish, like, Lord? Like, this is quite amusing. <clears throat> but I, I think God needs us to be like Sarah, but in a different way. Let's put our hands on our side and have a good laugh. Because God is in the business of doing impossible things. If it's not impossible, you have to wonder if it's from God. He's the one who does impossible things. And so this crazy little bunch uh, would become this revolution. Jesus had not given up on Peter. And so the conclusion of the story, we know just uh, a few, um, in John chapter 1, Peter is restored by Jesus. And he three times he says, come and feed my lambs. This is your job. Build up, encourage, nurture. He's already told him to strengthen his brothers. Peter, in a way was qualified. He was a failure, and he persevered. I can imagine the other disciples looking up to him further. But then the Holy Spirit came, 
And that was the difference. And Peter stands up now, not hiding away like he did before. He stands up in a crowd of thousands, including all the religious leaders, authorities from all over the show, and he declares out loud, no hiding away, Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And we've seen the result of that today. So as we, as we come, come to an end, um, I'm, just, I'm just wondering where that... I'm used to a clock up front there, so no idea how long it is. Sorry. And um, <laughs> as we come to an end, I think it would be good for us and for you to think, you know, where, where do you see yourself in this, in this journey? Um, you know that God has called you to follow him personally. Have you had that moment where you've said for yourself, yes, he is the Messiah? If not, Jesus today is saying, come and see. And you, you will be surprised to see the results when he also offers you spring of living water that will flow out of you. Um, perhaps he's called you into some, some area that um, he's wanting you to work. And perhaps even now he's saying, this is what I want you to do, to be this. Um, or perhaps you're in the process of training because God, Jesus wants to commission you for something. And he says, yeah, okay, I spoke to you some time ago, but persevere with me. There's things to learn. There's some rough edges to be taken off because I'm going to be commissioning you. Maybe you've, you've already commissioned and you're thinking, okay, well, now what? Uh, when's the stuff going to happen, Lord? I'm waiting. Um, well, perhaps the crucible is waiting. The testing. Um, maybe you're experiencing that right now. Maybe you've already been through that. But perhaps the thing I want to maybe encourage us most this morning is that some of us been, have been through the testing and perhaps we've, we've, we've messed it up. Oh, goodness, I'm no good. Jesus has forgotten me. Just remember Jesus. Remember Simon messed up big time. He was praying for him right through the end. Even when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, Do, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He's praying with him and he's asking Peter to pray for him. All that time, right up to the very end, he had Peter on his mind. And then afterwards, he restores Peter again. And so I want, I want to encourage you too. If you're feeling, oh my word, I've messed up. Jesus has forgotten about me. He doesn't give up. Hey, how does the song go, Brian? You're never going to give up. Hey, we just sang it earlier. He doesn't give up. And certainly, if you don't yet know the Messiah, today is the day to come and see. Amen.